Welcome to The Catholic Perspective, a podcast brought to you by rcspirituality.org. Enjoy the episode. St. Peter's experience of the Transfiguration stayed with him throughout his life, as we saw in the meditations. It became an anchor of hope for him amidst the storms of life's uncertainties and struggles, a light that served as a lamp shining in a dark place. We all need an anchor of hope in life. In fact, hope is one of the three theological virtues that make up the very DNA of every Christian's spiritual life. Here's how the Catechism defines hope. Hope is the theological virtue by which we desire the kingdom of heaven and eternal life as our happiness, placing our trust in Christ's promises and relying not on our own strength, but on the help of the grace of the Holy Spirit. In other words, hope is the engine of our spiritual life. It purifies our desires so that we learn to look for fulfillment where it truly can be found. And it energizes us to pursue those good desires by fueling courageous trust in God's grace. The virtue of hope is connected to joy and perseverance and freedom from the tangled webs of selfishness and discouragement. Here is another description of this amazing virtue from the Catechism. The virtue of hope responds to the aspiration to happiness which God has placed in the heart of every man. It takes up the hopes that inspire men's activities and purifies them, so as to order them to the kingdom of heaven. It keeps man from discouragement. It sustains him during times of abandonment. It opens up his heart in expectation of eternal beatitude. Buoyed up by hope, he is preserved from selfishness and led to the happiness that flows from charity. Wouldn't we all like to grow in such a powerful virtue? Wouldn't we all like to have that kind of hope be the real anchor of our everyday lives? How to exercise and grow in hope is what this conference is all about. For Peter, James, and John, the unforgettable experience of Christ's majesty on Mount Tabor during the Transfiguration became just such an anchor, an inexhaustible source of fuel for the hope they needed to live their Christian lives to the full. You and I were not present on Mount Tabor 2,000 years ago. We didn't share that specific experience. But God has given each one of us our own Tabor moments. He has given us unique experiences of His divine majesty and grace. Maybe it came during a powerful retreat or an unforgettable pilgrimage. Maybe it was linked to the reception of a sacrament, like First Communion or Confession or marriage. Maybe it simply came late at night during a walk under the stars. Each one of us has had experiences in which God made His presence, His reality, His interest in our lives undeniably real. Exercising and growing in hope involves maximizing those experiences by learning to remember them and pray with them. One of God's most frequent complaints in the Old Testament has to do with Israel's memory problems. God consistently performed amazing miracles for them. But then when life got back to normal, they would forget about the miracles and start doubting His faithfulness. Psalm 106, for example, 
describes this unfortunate tendency as follows. The Lord rescued them from hostile hands, freed them from the power of the enemy. The waters covered their oppressors, not one of them survived. Then they believed his words and sang his praise. But they soon forgot all he had done. They had no patience for his plan. In the desert, they gave in to their cravings, tempted God in the wasteland. When we forget our Tabor moments, our hope in God weakens. We lose sight of the light shining in the darkness, and we become vulnerable to temptations of every kind. When Joshua brought the Israelites across the Jordan River and into the Promised Land after their forty years of wandering through the wilderness, he tried to give them an antidote to that kind of spiritual forgetfulness. To bring them across the Jordan River, God miraculously stopped the river from flowing, so that the whole nation of Israel walked through the dry riverbed. As soon as the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant walked into the river, the waters stopped flowing. The people passed through it to the Promised Land. And then Joshua made a wise move. Before bringing the Ark of the Covenant out of the river, he sent twelve men into the dry riverbed and instructed each of them to carry a large rock from the bottom of the river over to the Promised Land side where the people were gathered. Each of these stones was a reminder of God's faithful commitment to Israel because the only way they could have been retrieved from the bottom of the river was through God's miraculous intervention. In a way, they were meant to be a reminder of all the miracles God had performed to bring His people to the Promised Land, a reminder of all the Tabor moments the Israelites had experienced in their long exodus. Joshua had these twelve stones piled together to form a monument, a memorial, that would forever remind the Israelites of God's goodness, closeness, and power. Here is what he said. Summoning the twelve men he had selected from among the Israelites, one from each tribe, Joshua said to them, Go to the Jordan riverbed in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Lift to your shoulders one stone apiece, so that they will equal in number the tribes of the Israelites. In the future, these are to be a sign among you. When your children ask you, What do these stones mean to you? You shall answer them, The waters of the Jordan ceased to flow before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord when it crossed the Jordan. Thus these stones are to serve as a perpetual memorial to the Israelites. Joshua set up this everlasting memorial so that the people would remember God's faithfulness to them, not lose hope, and thus stay faithful to God. The memory stones were an anchor of hope for the new phase of history Israel was beginning. We, too, need to make our Tabor moments into memory stones. We need to keep them in mind so that our hope stays strong and even grows. Only a firm anchor can keep our hearts and minds steady throughout the storms and trials of life in this fallen world. How do we transform our Tabor moments into memory stones? One way is to take time for what can be called the memory stone meditation. Psychologists point out that significant memories can be accessed or remembered on at least four different levels. First, there is the event itself, the simple narration of what actually happened. Second, 
there is the emotional experience that accompanied that event, how we felt about what was happening when it was happening. Third, there is the meaning the event had for us at the time, what impact it had on our lives. And fourth, there is the meaning the event had in the larger story of our lives, the meaning it takes on with the benefit of hindsight. These four levels can serve as a path for praying through our Tabor moments, turning them into memory stones that can continue to shine the light of God's majesty into our hearts and minds. Let's go through an example to show how this works. As we all remember, the essence of Christian meditation, also known as mental prayer, is conversing with God using our own words. As in every good conversation, this one involves listening to God, considering what He says, and responding from our hearts. Usually, we listen to Him through a quiet, reflective reading of the sacred scripture or some other good spiritual book. Sometimes we can listen by gazing at the beauty of His creation or of a great work of art. Praying through our Tabor moments and turning them into memory stones involves listening to God as He spoke to us through our own past experiences of His goodness and power. One of my experiences of His goodness and power came a few years after I had joined the seminary. The first point for meditating on our Tabor moments is simply to recall the event itself. So, here is what happened. My dad, who was an atheist at the time, was extremely unhappy with my decision to become a priest. He didn't support me at all. During my two years of novitiate, we corresponded, but he kept discouraging me from continuing and repeatedly expressed his disapproval of my decision. This was hard for me. I loved my dad. We had a beautiful friendship. I didn't want to lose it. But I knew God was calling me. Nothing I said seemed to help the situation. All I could do was pray. It was an ongoing source of anxiety throughout my novitiate. When I finished those two years of discernment and intense spiritual formation, I professed my vows and went home to visit my family. At the time, my dad was living alone. I was so nervous, not knowing if he would be happy to see me, not knowing what it would be like to spend time together under these circumstances. I arrived, and we stood in the kitchen and started chatting. We talked about the weather and other general topics for a while. Then he told me about a recent conversation he had had with an old high school buddy. They ran into each other on the sidewalk one day, and his buddy started asking my dad about us kids. So my dad told him what my two sisters were doing, and then he reluctantly admitted that I was training to become a Catholic priest. According to my dad, his friend stopped walking, turned towards him, and said in response, Well, at least somebody's doing something worthwhile with their life. As my dad finished telling me the story, he turned to me, smiled, and remarked, I guess that's kind of a compliment. With that, I knew that he had accepted my vocation. God had found a way to overcome his resistance. It was a dramatic, unpredictable answer to my prayers, a true Tabor experience. That's what happened. Simply remembering the event in that way can be a prayerful reflection, like talking over old times with a friend. The second level of remembering is recalling what we felt during the Tabor experience. When my dad smiled and expressed his acceptance of my vocation, I was flooded with a deep sense of relief. 
the anxiety and tension about our relationship I had been carrying for the past two years simply dissolved. I was just so glad to know that my following the Lord wasn't going to alienate my dad. I remember feeling a profound gladness, interior peace, and gratitude mixed in with that immense relief. Recalling those feelings can also be part of our prayer. Those feelings resulted indirectly, in this case, from the action of God in my life. They are a sign of God's reality, of God's personal interest in my life. God is real, and He had a real influence on my emotional world in that moment. The third level of remembering touches on the meaning of the event for us in that moment of our life. For me, it was a confirmation that I was following the right path, and it was also a confirmation that God cared about that path and about my life. It was a glimpse of divine light in the ordinary flow of daily life, a glimpse that touched me deeply and gave me a surge of spiritual energy. It really did nourish my hope in God and motivate me to continue seeking His will and following wherever He led. That experience of His faithfulness to me fed my desire to be faithful to Him. You can see how clearly this kind of consideration easily flows into a prayer of gratitude, adoration, praise, and humility. Finally, the fourth level of remembering invites us to see how that Tabor moment fit into the larger story of one's life as a whole. This is the hindsight perspective on the past experience. Years later, I can now see how that encounter with his high school buddy was just one step along a path of grace. God continued to work in and through my relationship with my dad, enriching both of us through the love we had for each other. Little by little, over the years, his heart became more open to the faith, and the Lord continued to draw us closer to each other until I was able to administer God's mercy to him just before he passed away. Seeing that Tabor moment from this perspective also nourishes my hope in God, my confidence in the reality of his wisdom and the power of his providence. He has a plan, and it is unfolding under his loving gaze, even though I can't always see it. That experience of my dad accepting my vocation was a powerful Mount Tabor experience for me. But if I never intentionally remember it, if I don't bring it into prayerful reflection and conversation with God, I will shortchange the light and grace it was meant to bring me. This four-step meditation on our Tabor moments is one way to help make sure that doesn't happen. It's a way to create memory stones, anchors of hope that can shine like lamps as we make our way through this fallen world to the Father's house. You have been listening to The Catholic Perspective, a resource from rcspirituality.org. Please visit our website and check out more great resources to help you pray, learn, grow, and go. Please join our team of digital missionaries by subscribing at rcspirituality.org. Dot org.